You're listening to The Restaurant Grind, the podcast of small business restaurant tours. Today we have the honor of speaking with Mike Miller, who is the owner of Patrick's East Memphis and is the current president of the Memphis Restaurant Association. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good morning. Glad to be here. Could you tell us how you started, where it began, and what led you to own your own? I've been in the business since I was 14 years old. Mom and Dad said it was time to get a job, and I had a buddy that worked in a restaurant, got me a job washing dishes. Um, You know, I am that very typical story that you hear about starting off washing dishes and working your way up. Um, What was the first one? I was a place in Kansas City called Mario's Little Italian Restaurant. It was one of those ones where dishwashing, you had a one-hole dishwasher that you could wash cups, plates, and silverware, and that's it. Everything else had to be done by hand. Oh, wow. And you think about Italian restaurant, sauces, (laughs) meatballs, You came home dirty every night. (laughs) Oh, hands torn up. And so I tell people all the time, like one of the greatest lessons ever was I went to my boss. I said, I hate my job. I said, I, you know, this is just terrible. My hands are whatever. I go home every night soaking wet and whatever. And he goes, well, learn something else. <laughs> and so literally I, that next day I showed up early. I started learning how to work the salad station. Ended up by the next summer I was a kitchen manager, opened up, writing prep list, making sauce, doing the whole 15 years old kitchen manager. Yeah, 16. But, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I kind of started the same, but I was the door guy at a bar and restaurant, checking okay. IDs and kicking people. You were the bouncer. Oh, you yeah. Were. Okay, got it. You were the muscle. <laughs> so then, yeah, learned kitchen, how to cook on the line, uh, expo, server, manager. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I stayed in kitchens for a number of years and then got out into the front of the house, started waiting tables Figured I could make a lot more money there, (laughs) bartending and whatnot. And, you know, along the way, I just knew this was the business that I wanted to stay in. I went to college, didn't ever graduate, didn't, it was, that was more uh, for my parents kind of a (laughs) thing. It was a fun four years, wasn't (laughs) it? Oh, it was, it was a waste of five years. (laughs) You KU guy? Uh, No, actually, I went to Memphis. Okay. Now, because I, I moved here the tail end of my junior year of high school in 87, graduated in 88, moved out uh in december uh, my first semester of college my parents moved back to kansas city and left me here yeah, that's right <laughs> that was with procter and gamble yep yep yeah i was i know you're a huge ku guy so i yes. figured you know kind of live vicariously through danny manning as much as you can of course did you have a lot of restaurant experience in between the dishwasher and opening your own or oh yeah that's all i've all i've done mm-hmm. uh, again i moved around i got into management with chilies uh i was there for seven years was a managing partner uh left there went to the half shell worked for danny over there for five years i worked at the one there at mendenhall for a couple of years I was brought on initially to help uh, open a new restaurant. We got tragic news two weeks after I started that Danny's wife had a brain tumor. Hmm. Uh, and so it delayed the, the that opening for a couple of years, but we got it open in 2003. I was there for a couple more years until the opportunity to, uh, to buy Patrick's came along. And so I uh, jumped at that and been there for the last 18 years. Wow. So you were part of the opening of uh, Half Shell in Winchester then? Yeah, I was the opening general manager. That's awesome. And as you know, you've been in it, but the restaurant life is a grind. What is the biggest thing that you're trying to overcome right now or something that's going on you're trying to resolve? Well, you know, now it's it's people to work and groceries to sell. Mm -hmm. Um, We still see supply chain issues and that's... 
I, I think, become a little more localized in that the problems are still related to staffing within the delivery companies. Yeah. They're struggling to get trucks loaded right on time, keep their businesses staffed so that we get serviced as far as that goes. Um, staffing in-house, we've seen in recent months, um, I guess, an increase in application traffic, but certainly the quality of those applications has not increased. In fact, I think we've spent the last year and a half where people have they knew they could get a job somewhere else so they literally have bounced and bounced and yeah. bounced and so now we weed those out if you haven't had a job solid for a year and a half or more we're likely not even going to talk to you mm-hmm. uh as far as that goes so i mean it's that's the the constant battle uh right now is is getting quality workers how how often i mean i'm assuming uh, with all of the stuff that was a ramification of COVID, a lot of it was pricing changes, supply chain costs, you know, all that stuff. How, how often are you kind of reviewing menu prices and that kind of stuff now? Well, we, we have always done at least twice a year. We used to actually do three. We've gone to a more expensive printing of our menu. So we, we do it only twice this year. Um, we, we addressed our credit card fees because that's mm-hmm. kind of been a number that has gone crazy. Up, up uh, so up, we up, actually up, are up. passing along that surcharge uh, to the customers in lieu of raising menu prices. So we've only raised menu prices once this year. And reality is our cost of goods has been pretty solid. Uh, so this was more an adjustment to address labor than it was actual cost of goods. <laughs> so we're, we've driven down cost of goods by percent and a half, 2%, because we've seen the same rise in wages. Yeah, wages is, is crazy in all industries. Yes. I mean, it's really bad in ours. I'm sure it's really bad in yours. You know, so some of those price increases really are just, hey, in order to get good people, they cost more money. Yes. And you want to have the best team possible. So it's really hard to pass that on. We have the same issues here. I mean, our labor cost on our side is up 25% in two years, yeah. you know, pre-COVID, post-COVID. I mean, it's it's nuts. And they also have the desire, you know, everybody has a desire in our world to re- work remotely and or have a lot of flexibility. I'm like, that's somewhat good. And, I'm, and in your industry, it's, I got to have people in the store. So <laughs> yes. it's not the same thing. So yeah, you uh, can't wait tables remotely. <laughs> I mean, it's, if you, you know, there's the drive-through thing, I guess, right? They have the people that are like a call center doing the drive-through and they send the orders now, mm-hmm. but then not in your restaurant, but it's a, it's a huge challenge. Um, and you, and you said the same thing, you know, with regards to quality of labor, you know, I always applaud you during the COVID you, you, you did an awesome job of, of managing, uh, your labor and your, and handling your team. And then, you've seen the, res- the results of that is you have a very stable team. What do you think goes into, I mean, you have a lot of people have been there for a long, long time. Sure. You know, what are some of the characteristics you see that w- that the restaurants need to have to make sure they keep the, the best people have happy? Well, I think you just have to take a genuine interest in people's lives outside of work, uh, trying to look for ways to make their job as reasonable and easy i tell people all the time and we're just selling groceries there's Mm -hmm. nothing to get out of whack you know about um obviously you deal with customers and problems and whatnot on a daily basis but at the end of the day um staying calm and collected and and recognizing kind of the lack of gravity of your situation uh is uh is important 
um, looking for ways to provide benefits. You know, as we've become more successful, we've looked for ways to give back, whether it's paid vacations, we're just introducing 401k. We, we just signed up with a uh, employee assistance counseling program, trying to give things that that are tangible things to our staff that they understand that we're investing in them and they recognize and see and beyond that i mean it 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 is just the attitude that we carry uh you know i mean we're we're a casual place but we have high standards for you know the the food that we sell and the service that we give and so i think that balance that people understand that yeah, we want you to come to work and work hard, but we all win. We all succeed. And in, along the way, you know, we as managers are here to deal with the problems and, and help. Uh, and it's not, it's certainly not the, the old school restaurant days where, hey, you're sick, come in and puke on my shoes and <laughs> maybe I'll think about letting you off. Yeah. Yeah. Get a couple hours in, then we'll see how really sick you how are. How sick yeah. are you really today? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But no, as customers, we see that all the time. We love seeing that same lady, uh, the yeah. Irish lady. The Irish lady. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's awesome. Yep. I mean, your staff, I mean, I, I've, you know, we've been going there now for 15 years, basically. And I eat there basically twice a week. <laughs> um, but it is like, it's the same group all the time. I mean, yep. your bartenders are the same. You're back at house. You see Palmer. You see the same people you've seen for forever. And, it, and you can tell, I mean, everybody always in great spirits, you know, the food's always super consistent. You know exactly what you're going to get. The service is great. Um, and uh, it's just a great experience. It's a cool place. It's uh, What I like about Patrick's for me is it just feels like, hey, this is, you know, this is a good quality hometown joint where you can kind of get a little bit of everything, but also have, you know, just a great experience. So it's a lot of fun. To get back to the supply chain. How do you stay current with your vendors or are you always kind of having multiples as backup? Well, we, we, we have chosen over the years to go with a primary. We mm-hmm. do a master distributor agreement. We've kind of vacillated over the years between Cisco and U.S. being the two big ones in town. Now you always have, um, you know, I guess a secondary mm-hmm. to, for filling in gaps. And then there are certain specialty things, uh, you know, we get food from off the dock. Uh, things of that nature the thing we found now is we actually have a a second and a third and sometimes even a fourth and then there's restaurant depot yeah because some of this is because if the chicken truck doesn't come into our main distributor well maybe it did to the secondary distributor whatever else and if not we can go to the store and do whatever um so i mean yeah it's it's a challenge i will say you know that was one of the things in looking at our agreement we said hey look we need to keep our managers managing and in the store not running running. uh, because that's what was one of the things that we were struggling with and so uh, us has done a really good job of helping us do that mm-hmm. um you know so i mean whether it's them bringing stuff or coordinating wheel calls hot shots things of that nature we still have to go to the store some yeah uh, you know i mean with our with the weekly specials that we run there's always some random ingredient that we got to go get anyways so um you know i mean it's it's something that you have to be aware of and address every day but it's 
seems to be more in, in, in control. And again, the financial side of things for us, we've been able to really control our cost of goods and and get it to where we want to be, again, trying to balance wages. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what we would always look at is keeping that your core. We were a burger restaurant, so burger, bun, fries. You do not run out of those. You have two days in backup because most of it was frozen, and then moving forward, always putting it out of fire. So those managers calmly doing that and making the right decisions to stay in-house. It's noon. You can't run to Restaurant Depot right now. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's right. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by the Memphis Restaurant Association, the Mid-South's key advocate for restaurant owners, managers, and employees alike, promoting the best dining experiences Memphis has to offer. Business owners, do you have a clear picture of where all your money is? Are your taxes getting taken care of on time? Clarity and consistency are key when it comes to getting the most out of your books. With detailed monthly financials and ongoing advisory services, Patrick Accounting is here to help you make more money and keep more of it. Learn more at patrickaccounting.com. We're lucky enough to be uh, sponsored by the MRA, and uh, you have been a longtime member, two-time president, I think. Uh, yeah, this, I'm in my fourth term uh, as president. <laughs> is that I because mean, no one else wants to do it, or because you're just a glutton for punishment? What's the deal there? All of the above. I, I understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a two-time president of, of my accounting association. I get it. Yeah. Um, tell us some of the stuff you guys are working on there. Our biggest thing right now is just communication and trying to provide value. Uh, we had our uh, annual summit uh, that's an informational summit to provide resources to our um to our members and vendors. It was a virtual summit that we had. We've brought on a local lobbyist. We participate at the state and federal level um, in terms of getting active. I sit on the board of the Hospitality Association for the state, went to DC in June to meet with uh, people on Capitol Hill. Um, So advocacy is probably the biggest thing that we actually do um, in terms of the MRA. A lot of folks either aren't aware or the assumption is we're going to do it anyways. Uh, But that's the thing that we encourage people to get involved, A, to share their opinions, B, to get the information that's out there and see any of those people that come on board with us. We we need dues to, to operate, but we need numbers. When, when, when I show up in D.C. or in Nashville, the more people that we can say we represent, the, the more impactful it is in terms of delivering that message, whatever it may be. The, the association is a wonderful benefit to the restaurants of Memphis. Um, it's a community with a ton of empathy. Everybody's going through a lot of the same struggles. Um, it's a room that gives and shares and helps each other. I mean, I think it's very much around the, the idea of a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, a, a healthy Memphis restaurant community is only going to benefit all the restaurants of Memphis. We have a wonderful local presence of restaurants in Memphis. We also have a lot of the, the national brands are all represented really well here in Memphis as well. Um, I, I just can't say enough good things about the group. I mean, from the vendors that are involved to all the all the members that are the restaurant tours, it's just. Um, but the advocacy is is super important to make sure that the voice of the Memphis restaurant community gets heard by the right people. Yeah, within the state of Tennessee, we are the only major city 
that we have our own separate restaurant association. Used mm. to be different, uh, but the other cities are all combined into hospitality associations. And I think there's value in that too, but we maintain a an independent identity and on the off chance that there is something that is restaurant only that maybe the other groups don't agree with or whatever we maintain our own voice as far as that goes so it's it's i I like to say that you know we are the strongest restaurant association in the state um just for what we do absolutely if you're a new restaurateur it's something you definitely should get involved with i mean just from getting to know the people and helping you run your restaurant better and getting to know you know people with a a lot of wisdom that have been doing this for a long time that can help them with vendor contacts or mm-hmm. you know helping them with hey that we're struggling to do this well here's what we did that worked or here's what something we didn't do that didn't work don't do this right and so that's just a great I, I I you know I wholeheartedly believe in peer groups and associations of of like kind businesses because there's no better empathy than the person who's sitting next to you doing the same thing you are going this sucks sometimes doesn't he goes yeah it absolutely <laughs> sucks sometimes so well and that's the thing is I have said since my first term of being MRA president, this is the restaurant business. I'm not asking for your secret recipe. We all use plumbers and electricians and food vendors and all of those things. There's nothing proprietary about any of those things that we can't share with each other to help each other out. Right. Uh, you know, we sharing best practices uh, is is definitely the way to go. We certainly have people all the time that ask, "Hey, I've got this problem. Who should I call?" Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's health department or, or or a vendor or whatnot, and that's also the thing that that MRA does. Uh, I mean, I personally will pick up the phone and call Casey at the health department and go, hey, so-and-so's having an issue. Can you please get with the inspector and let's get this solved? And, you know, we, we try to maintain a great relationship Liquor licenses, yeah. all that wonderful stuff. Oh, okay. fun, fun, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> want to jump in. What is one of your proudest moments of Patrick's? Other than other than day one? Yeah. Um, you know, that was, a, that was a cool experience. I mean, when, you, when you've worked and worked and worked to own your own place and then... Uh, and getting into doing that. I guess um, I was awarded the restaurateur of the state um, by the state Congrats. association a couple well of years deserved, back in, as in always. 2019. So, um, yeah, what happened in 2021 and 22? Come on, man, you got to win this thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that first day, I'm assuming that's an awesome experience. Just like, these are my keys. This is my building. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, crap, this is my building. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so. Putting in that blood, sweat, and tears sure. paying off. Well, yeah. and that, you know, and that was it was a long term goal to to get there to save the money to do it to have help from family from all of those things and then you know put your own mark on it too. It was an existing restaurant, so you yeah. put your own mark on it. Get your own team, you know, grow and develop your team over the over the eighteen years. It's it's uh man, you've done an awesome job. Thank you. And so, since you've been here for a long time, what is your favorite restaurant of all, or in Memphis? Goodness gracious, <laughs> man! There's uh, there's so many good ones. I really like the the restaurant group that has flight and mm-hmm. so, uh, Southern Social Porch and Parlor. Yeah. Um, uh, we do our annual Christmas dinner with our family at Flight. Yeah, I just love the idea of little a little taste of everything. Yeah. Um, we we made the mistake of going to Porch and Parlor and trying to order the same thing, and it, it, while the food was 
outstanding. It was the most miserable night I've ever had because <laughs> I, I wanted I a ate, little bit of elk well, and a little bit yes, of beef and, and a little bit of yeah. Four of us ordering four appetizers <laughs> and four salads and four entrees just was way too much. It was four times the bill as well. <laughs> well, yes, the bill was there, but um, Dad was paying for that. Yeah, that's right. Stuff. Great, thanks, Dad. Yeah, always love those meals. Your journey from dishwasher to restaurant owner, what is one piece of valuable advice that you learned along the way that you would want to pass on to a future entrepreneur? You know, I think it's balance. That's balancing people, profits, quality. Um, You know, if you stay focused on quality and people, the profits will come. Uh, You know, that's one of the things that I've been criticized uh, in the past before. Uh, If you read my, uh, I guess, set of expectations for my managers doesn't talk about making money at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is about doing the job right, about making decisions, about taking care of people. Um, those are the things that have ultimately led us to, to where we are today, which is uh, pretty darn successful. That's awesome. And y'all have been. Can't wait to come get uh, meeting three, one of the best in town. So, again, it was an absolute pleasure having you on, and uh, we appreciate it. Great. Happy to be here. Yes, Thank sir. you, Mike. Thanks, Thank you. Mike. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Restaurant Grind. If you did, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating on your podcast player. Doing so helps our stories inspire more people in their restaurant grind journeys. We'll see you next week.